Thank you for listening to the Kelowna Christian Center podcast. Our desire is that today's message will be fresh and encouraging to you. For more information on KCC and how to connect, visit us at kcc.net. Scripture says that we overcome by the word, by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of our testimony, and that there's nothing that we can do in and of ourselves to actually overcome on our own merits and on our own strength. But when He's with us, nothing is impossible. Amen. So to Him be the glory, to Him be the praise, to Him be the honor, every day, all day. Hallelujah. I'd like to invite Val to come up, Val Lalonde. Many of you have been praying. Many of you have been believing for the Lalonde family. And, you know, God is good, and it's good to hear good news, isn't it? Yes. I'd like you just to share what's happening with Sean. So, um, firstly, I just want to thank everybody here like she was praying in that song, we're community. And that's weird when you don't have that. When you come into church and you've never experienced community, that can be kind of weird. Um, so if, you've, if you're here and you've never experienced that, that's what we are. We're a family, we're a community. And um, we've just felt so lifted by everyone here and so blessed by meals and food. And so uh, for those who don't know, my husband's a pastor here and he was diagnosed with stage four cancer in um, December, December 8th. And uh, his diagnosis was basically that he needed to go home and there's nothing they could do for him. So we didn't want to accept that. And so many of you haven't with us and we're so thankful for that. And uh, we've just been praying and we've been pushing the doctors and uh, We've uh, kept going forward, and um, just this last week, we went down where they decided they were going to do a procedure for him, where um, basically it would just prolong things and slow down the tumors that are in his liver. He has liver cancer. So um, we went down to get this procedure, and I just, I've started a prayer page, and if anybody wants to follow, it's called Pray for Sean Lalonde. And uh, I just put on the prayer page, let's pray for this procedure. They, they said they might not even give us the procedure because of the state of his cancer in his liver. And so I, um, I talked to a couple friends. I talked to my friend, Dania, and was like, you know what? I'm praying that they don't even explain this procedure to us, that we go down there and that the tumors have shrunk and they'll say like, you have to come back because this procedure is, we have something better for you. And that uh, we went there on Monday and he had the CT scan done and we met with a specialist and the specialist said we've had three doctors looking at his scans and we can't explain this procedure to you because his tumor has shrunk and is no longer yeah so so they said they're they're gonna re they're like sorry we can't tell you any good news in that what we're gonna do but we're gonna do more than this. So they said they're gonna re-look at it. They haven't got back to us yet, but we're just believing that he's gonna have a complete healing and that he's gonna be back here worshiping God. So thank you and yeah, keep praying. Sean is probably
probably listening online this morning. It, maybe, maybe. He was pretty tired this morning. Sean's out there. And the scripture says that the prayers of the righteous are mighty in power, and they avail much. They can do a lot. Beyond what we can do, a prayer can do more. And so today, let's just pray. Let's lift up our hands to heaven and say, Father, we thank you for, for this testimony. We give you thanks, Lord, for what you're doing in Sean's body. And where he is right now, we speak the life of God into his body, the life of God into his liver. Father, we thank you that you make all things new. And Father, we're speaking into his body a new liver and a new system, Lord, to immune system to be able to cleanse every, every disease. We thank you, Lord, that you're doing a work around him. We plead the blood of Jesus, calling him yours. He doesn't belong to anyone else. He belongs to you. He's your child, adopted into your family, an heir unto healing. And we thank you, Lord, for 100% body today. We give you much thanks. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks, Val. Oh, what a great team. What a, what a great opportunity. What a great uh, space to be in the family of God. And uh, again, February is for family. This month, we're just continuing to to affirm the fact that uh, God loves you and God made you to love you. Tell, turn to your neighbor and say, God loves you. 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 <laughs> you got to smile when you say it. God's love for you is fierce. It's reckless. It's a breakthrough, a prison into your cell and get, set you free. He is a redeemer. He's a deliverer. He's a healer. That's the kind of love that God has for you. You were made to last forever. It's forever. One day your heart will stop and it'll be the end of your body. And, uh, but it won't be the end of you. It won't be the end of you. That's why we as believers, we don't fear death. We don't fear the pain because we know that there's a lifetime. We were designed in the image of God so that we'll spend more time on that side. You know, you're going to get 80 plus years on this side, but you're going to have an eternity on the other side. And that's where our lifespan will be. So we can either build for ourselves treasure on this side 80 plus years, or we can build for ourselves treasures in heaven. And when we, when we work every day, we look through this grid, we look through this lens of saying, what are we doing today that makes an impact for eternity? Yeah. And as believers, that's where, why we have such great hope, because we don't have just a margin or a sliver of time. We have an eternity to look forward to. We have an eternity to hope for. Is Dylan here today? Dylan. Dylan, way to see you. I haven't, I'm so glad you're here with us. This is, this is a God day. Right on. Dylan, we love you. 
thank God, thank God for you, and we've been thanking God for the healing He's doing for you, and your body continuing to do for you. We love your family, and uh, we're just so grateful to have you seated with us today. We're blessed. That's awesome. Answer to prayer. Last time I, I was with Dylan in the, in the hospital, he was looking forward to a, a steak. Did you get that steak on the grill? Not yet? No? Come on, boys. It's going to come. <laughs> oh, we're excited. He, you know, one of the things Dylan has said is that he said, you know, that this is, it's uh, not just that he experienced, because we've grown up together, Dylan and I in church, and, uh, you know, Dylan knew all the stories, but now he's part of the story. He's part of God's deliverance, and uh, and you, it's he's continue, your story is continue to, continuing to move forward. So we're there with you, Amen. God has a plan for you, and uh, God has long range plans for you. It's not just short term. The right reason why He created the universe was for you because He wanted to have family. God is love. He wanted to love someone. He wanted to pour all of his love onto someone, into somebody. And it was so big that it wasn't just going to be one vessel. So he created many vessels so that he could continue to pour love upon you. And if you've never experienced that love before, it's like a wave. It's a wave that just crashes over and over and and. Uh, and our, in our culture, we experience like a margin of it when it comes to marriage, a margin of it when it comes to relationships inside of our home, a margin of it when it comes to uh, our, our friendships. But God's love is an agape love. It's a love that is central to who he is. It exudes from him. It's, it's a part of who he is. And that love was to be poured out onto mankind. Hebrews says this, God is the one who made all things and all things for his glory. He wanted to have many children to share his glory. Someone said to me the other day when we were talking about family, how uh, in the scripture in Genesis it said that you needed to reproduce, to multiply. And I said that I had three kids and they told me that I wasn't multiplying. Because uh, two of us, really, it's, you need four to multiply. Between Natalie and I, you need four. And I stopped at three. I said, oh my gosh, it's done though. It's done. So the Lord's going to have to happen with, with three. But for all those thinking about family, four is the number. You got to be biblical. Trust God, four. Amen? Anthony's. Where are the Anthony's at, right? <laughs> God created the human race because he knew that some of them would choose to love him. Everyone was created by God, but not everyone will choose to live for God. He was created and loved by God, but not in the family of God, unless you choose that. I didn't have a choice to become part of the human race but, uh, when I was born, but I became part of a family when someone chose to take me home with them. I became part of a family when I was embraced and accepted into the Kalaman household. 
If you choose to be part of the family of God, there are some responsibilities. And when we become a part of this family of God, we begin to, uh, we begin to carry responsibility for his house. And uh, one of those responsibilities in the church, which isn't an organization or a club or a social group, it's not a place where you go, it's a community, it's a family that you see. Uh, many of these uh, people in this room, you'll have longer relationships with than you will your natural family. That a natural family comes and goes, there's separation, there's death, kids grow up, they move away. I'm already thinking about it. My daughter's uh, 11 and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, you know, she's growing up and she's going to move away and have her own family. On this side of eternity, uh, there's a natural season, but for us as part of the family of God, I'm going to be living down the street from Paul. In eternity, I'm living near Ryan Dockrell. We're going to hang out together for eternity. So that's why it's so important that we learn to love each other. Because I'm going to be sitting next to, <laughs> next to you for a long time. <laughs> I've got to have that deeper love for you. And it's going to start now. And the, the, you don't wait until you die before that love for the family of God starts. You don't get to heaven. And then all of a sudden, oh, now there's a love for the family of God. It starts now. That's why there's such, uh, that there's such enthusiasm and such vigor in praying for Dylan. There's such vigor in praying for Sean and for the little Lon family because they're already starting to grow in our hearts because we're a part of the same family. It starts as soon as we accept Christ into our hearts. We, we welcome his blood to cleanse us. And that same blood that flows in me, that cleanses me, cleansed you. That same one, that same Father who saved me, saved you. And now we have the same Father that makes us brothers and sisters. We're adopted into the same family, into a spiritual family, a spiritual network, where if one hurts, we all hurt. And if one is blessed, then we're all blessed. And if one is in trouble, we scoot over and we help shoulder the burden for them so that they don't have to carry it by themselves. And we use our gifts and our talents and our energy to be able to be a support for, uh, for other people. Uh, I'm, you know, Val mentioned the people who are cooking. I'm, other people can cook for them and you'd probably be better off. I'll buy you some good food. <laughs> but when it comes to cooking, that's their gift. That's their talent. They're using it to support the body of Christ. But everyone is valuable. We must learn to live with each other and love each other because we're part of that family. Jesus said this in John. He said, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I've loved you, you should love each other. Your love for each other will prove to the world that you are my people. You are my people. The world will know that, there's, that, that you are Christian for your, because of your love for one another. 
how important is the love that we have for our spiritual family, for the body of Christ? How do you know that you're part of the family of God? You begin to love one another. I was sitting with my son yesterday, and he, we were talking, and he was saying, asking why people don't actually um, believe in God. And I was saying, one of the indicators that you actually know that you believe in God, that you have a love for God, or that you, you know God, is that you love the body of Christ. So if there isn't a love in you for other people, then that's what the, the table of communion is all about. The table of communion is supposed to address that. And the scripture says, before you even start worshiping, Make sure that you walk across the aisle and make things right with the people that are in the church. If you got an offense or a hurt, or there's some kind of a miscommunication that's happening and a misunderstanding, you actually go to that person and make things right. Because or else the scripture says, or else your worship is going to be worthless. Your sacrifice will have been to no avail. And so we need to make things right. And that's why we have communion and, and the tables here each week. Just so that our hearts are right before people and before God. So what does God, why does God want us to love each other? Number one, because it makes us like him. It makes us like him. Created you, God created you to live like him. So God is loving and so we need to be loving. If we're, a, a, we're adopted into a family where our father is love, then the sons and the daughters must carry love as well. So what does that love look like? That love carries with it responsibility. Number two, God likes it when his kids get along. How many of you like it when your kids get along? Stop, stop, stop. You're oh, man. Just... <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for my children. Kids getting into fights is not cool. It's not cool. But when people get along, when God likes it, when his kids get along with each other, that's why God wants us to love each other. Number three, we practice for eternity. We, get, we start loving now because we're going to be spending a lot of time together. I don't know if that's a threat or <laughs> that's a blessing. Uh, but learning to love each other is fellowship. You know, worship is good. And some people are really good at worship. And worship is where we learn how to love God. And some people are really, really good at worship. Fellowship is where we learn to love each other. And here's the thing. You can be really good at worship, loving God, but not good at loving people. Or you can be really good at loving people and not good at loving God. And we need to have both. Where we have love, agape love, that love of God that allows us to not just love God. It's like a vertical love up and love out. They call it like an, the L. You get it? Like for love. L, uh, just a reminder there. There it is. Loving up and loving out. That's where, how we love each other. We need to carry that same caliber of love for God as we do for each other. So worship, fellowship, connection is so important. 
So I'm going to talk to you this morning about four levels of worship, of fellowship. Four levels of fellowship. And I'm going to start from like the very basic and move to more advanced. And I'm going to just share these things with you. And you tell me where you are. You just kind of indicate where you actually sit in the scale. Number one, the most shallow level of worship is that we learn to share together. Or level of fellowship is sharing together. The Bible says that, uh, that the first church community, the first thing they did was they met together and they shared whatever they had. They had everything in common, and they shared things together. Uh, The more you share with someone, the deeper your fellowship with that individual becomes. So you share your time. You share your resources. You share your experiences. You share all these things with someone, and in that process, you become closer to that individual. Sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. It's that love. It's the shallowest level. It's what we all need to be doing. When I've got, an, I've got a story you need to hear, I need to share it. Some of you need to share an ear. You need to hear what other people are saying to you. Some of us need to be speakers, communicators. Some of us need to be listeners. We need to be sharing with each other, sharing each other's burdens, sharing each other's uh, challenges, sharing each other's blessings and celebrations and wins, and share in times when there's loss. The first followers of Jesus were famous for loving each other and loving people and sharing with people. It was constant. They spent time together. Every day, all the believers met constantly. Together, they were meeting and sharing and eating together. I love that part. Eating together, eating together, eating together. Um, Sundays are great for that. And there's a reason for that. You come to church, you meet together, then you go out later and you eat together. It's a spiritual practice. So when you go to that Chinese buffet afterwards, you're serving Jesus at the buffet. You're doing it. You're sharing with each other during that time. Fellowship takes time. Good marriages and strong marriages happen over time. Good friendships, strong friendships happen over time. They don't just happen immediately. You share experiences with each other. Um, No deep relationships happen without time. So you can't, if you don't have time to like check in with people and make those connections with people, then you're just too busy. You're too busy. People aren't going to work just around your schedule. You got to make that time. So a lot of people never get through this level. Like they just, their connection and the way they share with each other is very simple. Hey, how you doing? It's good. All's good. Cool. How about them Canucks? It's just very simple. But sharing with each other makes a big difference when you actually get deeper in your relationship. Hebrews says, let's not give up the habit of meeting together. Instead, when you meet together, encourage each other. The word encourage means to inject courage into each other. You can do it. Way to go. 
It's going to be okay. You can accomplish this. You're not alone. We're behind you. You know, that encouragement factor is huge for relationships. How many of you love an encourager? Oh, Lord, thank you for encouragers. Like, you just need those encouragers in your life. The habit of meeting together for the first 300 years of Christianity, the church met in homes. We open our homes up. The scripture says, open your homes up without complaining. One of the, the, the indicators that you're a Christian is that you're hospitable to people, all people, different genders, different race, different. You, you open your heart up to people who are of different level places in life, if they're poor, if they're rich, if they're sinner, if they're saint. We open our houses up because we carry that hospitality. Sharing those experiences is so important. Um, we learn from each other. So let me tell you what Corinthians says. The scripture says about how you, what we should do when we get together. When you gather, each one of you should be prepared with something useful for all. Sing a song, teach a lesson, tell a story, lead a prayer, provide an insight. Take your turn with no one person taking over. That way you learn from each other. This is a way that we work together. And we share support. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. We're carrying each other. Number two, this is a little deeper now. Sharing is easy. It's the shallowest level. But as we get deeper in fellowship, we learn to belong together. The fellowship of belonging together. Love is a commitment. If you're committed to someone, a marriage, a friendship, if you really love someone, you'll, you'll, you'll place commitment. Guys, if you love that woman, you'll put a ring on it. I'll just let that sit for a little while. <laughs> You'll put a ring on it. Love is commitment. Belonging is the difference between sharing and belonging. You don't belong until there's that commitment. You don't belong until there's that place of, of commitment. Like when I put a ring on my wife's finger, it, she, I committed to her. I've committed to her. I belong to her. She belongs to me. And there, there's that unity of spirit and of heart. Belonging is important. Um, it makes the difference between an attender and a member. It's the difference between a spectator and a participator. It's the difference between an outsider who just watches and an insider who helps assemble and build. Commitment Belonging together requires that place of commitment. Say, I belong to you, you belong to me, and there's nothing you can do that can tear me away because I'm committed to you. We need to love each other. We need to love his church, love the people around us, and, and, and follow anyone who doesn't have this level of commitment, anyone who's just on their own, the scripture calls them orphans. And an orphan is alone. When an orphan is in trouble, they're the most vulnerable because they don't have someone around them who can help pick them up, 
who can help keep them on the straight and narrow, who can, who can help them during their difficulties. Being a Christian without being a part of a church is like saying, I want to be a football player, but not part of the NFL. I want to play for the NFL, but I don't want to be a part of any NFL team. I want to be a part of the army, but I don't want to be a part of any specific platoon. I just want to be on my own. The army of one. That's the way it works. But when we belong to each other, it's important. It takes our level of fellowship to a deeper level, a commitment to each other. Belonging in Scripture is not optional. The person who loves God must also love other believers. This is what the Scripture says. The person who loves God must also love other believers. It says, if you are members of God's very own family and you belong in God's household with every other Christian, there's this place of belonging. Love, the scripture says in 1 Peter, love your spiritual family. Love them. Open your homes to each other without complaining. 1 Peter 4, 9. These are things that we do. Now, how can you belong? One of the ways we do it is through our next steps program. We do a 101 course where we, we give you an idea of who we are as a church. And after, after that course of who we are, that, that one hour, 30-minute, uh, one-hour course on, on 101, we ask you, say, do you want to become a, a partner? Do you want to belong to KCC? And this gives you opportunity to go home with your spouse and look at what we value and whether or not you're committed to be a part of that. And you actually sign off and you say to me and you indicate to our team, listen, you can, you can count on us, you can lean on us, you can lean on our talent, you can lean on our treasure, you can lean on our time, we're there for you. We'll pray, we'll give, we'll go, we'll do it, whatever the church needs, we're committed because we belong. The second way we do that is through baptism. Baptism is uh, a picture of being a part of the body of Christ. It's an, an initiation. It, it doesn't make you a part of God's family being baptized, but it does identify you as being a part of the family of God. Just like, uh, um, just like a wedding band doesn't say that you're married, but it's a, it's a symbol of the fact that you're married. And so if I lose my wedding band, it doesn't mean I'm no longer married. Some of you are watching, I'm not wearing my wedding band today, and it's because I've been going to the gym. And, uh, but the thing is, if you're, uh, if you're not wearing that band, it doesn't mean you're no longer married. It doesn't mean Natalie and I aren't married anymore. It means that we are now close. Like, it's, the wedding band is the indicator that, yes, we are committed to each other. And so we're actually having at the end of this month a baptism service the week before Easter. So if anyone here wants to make that commitment to the church, to the spiritual family of God, we're encouraging you to actually get baptized. And uh, we have a big hot tub out front, in front of everyone. You just announce, hey, I'm here to serve God and to serve the body of Christ and you make that commitment, and we baptize you. It's going to be a great time. Number three, a deeper level of connecting 
is the fellowship of serving each other, serving together. When you serve with someone, you create this bond that's like deep. I love watching youth teams. For years, I was part of youth teams. And my youth leaders, when I was a youth pastor, are all over the world. And they're still connecting with me today because of the experiences we had serving together. When you serve with someone, the scripture even says we're partners. We work together for God. When you serve together, you work together, you grow close to each other. You're working together. together. This level you start working, collaborating, partnering with a common purpose, and your love grows deeper with that person that you're working with. Marriages that minister together are most fulfilled marriages. When a marriage, it's been statistically um, uh, written that those couples that are ministering together, either doing, running a small group or being a part of some form of ministry, worship, greeters, coffee, it doesn't matter, hospital ministry, wherever they are, if they're ministering together, missions, their relationship grows closer. So if you want your relationship to grow closer with your spouse, ask yourself, are you serving together? Are you serving in the body of Christ? Are you connected in any way? When they, oh, someone's on the worship team here and they're struggling, they've got a whole team around them that can serve, that can help them. Stay with them. An article in the New York Times, this was a few years ago, uh, wrote, there was this article that said, you don't need superstars to win. And a similar article was written about Google just recently when they assessed their employees. And they did a study and they said that teams that win aren't the biggest, aren't the teams with the biggest superstars. The ones that win are the ones that know how to work together and the ones who honor each other and the ones who collaborate together and, and support each other and encourage each other in their strengths. The scripture says this, the whole body is fitted together. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing in love. God did not bring you to sit, to soak, to sour <laughs> in your chair every Sunday. I sit, I soak, I sour. Sit, I soak, I sour. He wants you to be engaged. Find a place of, of service. Now, you might think, well, Brody, this is just a great way for the church to find more volunteers. Yeah. <laughs> it is. But it's better for you. It is better. It's better that when you come to church in the morning, you're engaged. You're looking for a way to serve. You're looking for a place to put your, your mark, to place your mark. If that's in children's ministry or throughout the week, even beyond Sunday, if that's just greeting at the front door, or being a part of a parking team, it doesn't matter what it looks like. If it's coming early and just making sure... Tithe envelopes are, are put on in chairs properly, or uh, cards are put in chairs properly. Serving together is for your benefit. It creates a bond with you. A family that doesn't work together is going to create, there's going to be divisions in that family. Yeah. If one of your kids, if the parent is just working all the time, doing all the work, and the kids are just inside on their own on their iPads or whatever it is, 
there's going to be a problem. The best thing to do is when you're going outside to shovel the driveway, you pass one of your kids a shovel. It is. And some people are like, that's abusive. Look at it, it's cold outside. Yeah, and you're going to work together. And you're going to suffer together. And you're going to grow together. Because the deepest level of fellowship is level number four. It's the fellowship of suffering. Suffering. Love grows deepest when you suffer together. There's no fellowship that can match what happens when people carry each other's burdens. Their heartache. Their hurt. If suffering doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. And uh, the suffering that you go through um, will actually create a tighter bond. Natalie and I have suffered together. We're not leaving each other because we've suffered through too much together. We've grown together. We've suffered through finance, suffered through child, like challenges in childbearing. We've just suffered in, in areas in our life in communication, right? Wrong, right, wrong, wrong, right, wrong. <laughs> we've had challenges together, but we've worked through those things. And I don't have time to go through all that with another person, <laughs> number one. <laughs> number two, it's what creates this bond between us. We've suffered together. We've lost people together. We've been challenged together. And that's what cr what's created strong relationships. My strongest relationships, people in my life, have gone through some of the most challenging things. And it's because of the suffering that I have a greater fellowship with them. Don't ever waste the suffering. Don't ever waste an opportunity for suffering. God has a plan for it. So the scripture says this, share each other's troubles and problems. In this way, you obey the law of Christ. We share our challenges. We share our troubles. So this is what we do. We take time to help people in their pain. And I just want you to think about the last time you actually helped someone in their pain. Helped someone in their suffering. Have you been a part of their solution? Have you carried a bit of that weight? Or are people just suffering all around you, but you're just kept in your safety bubble? And I'll tell you this, you're never going to experience the degree of fellowship that you can experience when you're suffering with someone. It's one of the last places you want to be, because for those of us who are stable, steady, conscientious, safe, we don't want to put ourselves in places where we become vulnerable and in pain and sick. But the, pro the challenge is that's the area where we're going to grow the best and we're going to grow the strongest. So put yourself in a place where there's suffering and be a part of the solution. And in doing so, you create that experience with that individual. You create that experience with that community, and your fellowship actually grows deeper. If one member suffers, all suffer together. So we're devoted to each other like a loving family. Amen.
Would you bow your heads with me this morning? If you're here today and you'd like to be joined to the family with God, and God is your Father, and you begin developing a closer connection with Him, it's going to start with a prayer. And this prayer is going to lead you into a relationship with God first as your Father, and then you're going to develop your relationship with His family. And so if you've never made a decision to follow God today, or if you just want to renew your decision to follow God today, I'm just going to encourage you to pray this prayer along with me. And by praying this prayer, you're embracing the family of God. You're embracing God as your Father. Say this with me today, Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to earth. I believe you died and rose again so that I can be forgiven and I may have a friendship with you. Right now, I ask that you would forgive me from all my sin and I let go of my past. I let go of shame. I let go of judgment and I embrace a new beginning with you, my Father. I accept you as my Savior, and I make you my Lord. Make me the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Father, we thank you today for your presence with us. Father, we just see you as an overcoming, victorious God. Lord, there's nowhere that we can go outside of your presence where you don't embrace us and bring us close. There's no place where we can go where you won't go and chase us down and bring us home. And we thank you for this family, adopted into it, chosen by you never to be forgotten or left alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Father.